A lot of movement on the 40 acres over the last week. Some players leaving, some players returning. We discuss all of that and more on today's episode. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with the personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, once again, we are tracking the recent movement on the 40 acres. We have had players declare for the NFL draft. We have had players who have exhausted their eligibility and would be moving on from Texas. We have had players come out and say they are returning to the University of Texas for the 2024 season. We have had players enter the transfer portal now that their season is over at the University of Texas and possibly their career. And then we have had players who are already in the transfer portal who have announced their next destinations. We discuss all of that. Plus, because it is the last day of college football, Michigan and Washington will be playing in the national championship tonight. I cannot wait for that game. I give my thoughts and my game prediction on who will win the national championship in 2023 in the last segment. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So when the season started um, in late August, early September, it always felt like we were on borrowed time, right? Like, especially on the podcast, I would say that. Like, I I know that we were going to, you know, not take the season for granted and enjoy every moment of it. But, man, the season goes by so fast. And then if you're a football fan, whether NFL or college football, you have a seven to eight month off season, right? <laughs> which is ridiculously long, the longest in sports by far. Right. So you, you know, get so many magical moments and so many special memories through the season. And then it's over for such a long time. And what sucks as college football fans, even though we have a great matchup tonight to watch, is that once Michigan and Washington finish playing, once the clock hits zero, we will not have college football again, actually on the field. We have a lot to talk about. We will not have real college football on the field again for eight months. Right? And that's so disappointing. But like I said, should have a great game tonight. But the next seven months without eight months without college football, I guess we're used to it by now, but it will be hell. Talking about Michigan and Washington in the last segment for sure. But of course, the first 20 minutes, the first two segments, we're going to talk about Texas. And as I mentioned, a lot of movement um, on the 40 acres over the last week via the transfer portal, you know, exhausted eligibility, entering the NFL draft or players deciding uh, to, you know, give it one more chance. Right. And play one more year at the 40 acres heading into the SEC. And so I'm just going to give my thoughts on each player that's leaving or returning or have announced that they are entering the transfer portal or have not made a decision yet. Right. I'm just going to kind of run through each player and what their departure or return means for Texas. Right. So we're going to start with Xavier Worthy. I believe he was the first one to declare um, maybe on Wednesday after the game. And if you're on social media, you know, his announcement to enter the draft <laughs> ruffled some feathers uh, on, on social media for sure. Um, I think it was an Instagram video he made where he took a shot not at Texas fans as a whole, but he put like seven or eight old tweets of Texas fans bashing him. He put that in his announcement video. So that caused a ruckus on Twitter. I don't think he was wrong for that. You know, I don't think people should use the biggest moments of their life to bash other people. I think you should make it solely about you and what you've accomplished. But I don't think he was wrong. Right. Because those people were talking bad on him. He used it as motivation and, you know, put it in his video. 
But nonetheless, that's not why we're here, right? Xavier Worthy, one of the most explosive players that 40 Acre has ever 40 Acres has ever seen. Um, one of the most productive receivers the 40 Acres has ever seen. And when you look at his career stats, he did a little bit of everything, right? 197 catches for 2,755 yards, 26 touchdowns. He had 56 rushing yards over the last three years. He had 68 passing yards and a touchdown to JT Sanders over the last three years as well. So he did a little bit of everything at the 40 Acres. He was Sark's first recruit to the University of Texas, the only recruit he brought in for the 2021 class. And Xavier Worthy was our number one receiver in 2021 in a five and seven season. He was our number one receiver in 2022 in an eight and five season. And he was our number one receiver in a 12 and two big 12 championship and college football playoff appearance season. So um, he's been our number one receiver for the last three years. And he's been a big part of this culture turnaround and this program turnaround that now has led to the version of Texas that you see today compared to what you saw Xavier Worthy's freshman year in 2021. And when you talk about key moments, these just all came off the top of my head, but there's so many I'm missing because he's meant so much to this Texas football team the last three years. Obviously, the first one I think every Texas fan would come up with is the 75-yard screen touchdown against Oklahoma. I think he had already had a 200-yard performance against Texas Tech before that, but I think that play really cemented him as a star at the 40 Acres, especially in a game of that magnitude. The screen touchdown this year against Wyoming. Most people probably won't remember that, but I was at the game. Um, and that was a game that we were tied 10-10, right, in the fourth quarter. And Xavier Worthy catches the screen, you know, effortlessly from Quinn Ewers. And I think that was the moment where his true speed was on display. I don't think I've ever seen him run faster than that. He caught a screen, took it for 44 yards, and was untouched on the play. And there were multiple defenders that looked like they had an angle on him. But it was Xavier Worthy, and he just ran right past him. So just freakish speed, freakish explosiveness, and I can't wait to see it on the next level. Both deep catches against Alabama last year to get in the red zone. This year, the touchdown he scored on the beautiful throw from Quinn Ewers, the whip route, the game-winning touchdown against Iowa State last year, one of the best whip routes you'll ever see. <laughs> right, teach tape in terms of how to run that route. And then the touchdown his freshman year against Texas. Texas Tech when he points at the defender right after he scored. Like I said, I believe he had 200 yards in that game. So Xavier Worthy, one of the most productive and explosive players the 40 Acres has ever seen. And one of the biggest reasons that this culture and this program was able to make a three-year turnaround. Excited to see Xavier Worthy at the next level. We're going to alternate these. Baron Sorrell has announced that he is returning for the 2024 season, heading into the SEC career stats, 88 total tackles, nine and a half sacks, and one forced fumble. Some key moments for me, right? He had a big sack against Wyoming uh, this year when they tied it 10 to 10, but we were up 10 to 7, and they were in the red zone, right? His sack forced them to kick a field goal. He had two sacks against Kansas State this year. That was a game that we won by three points, so those sacks were huge. And then last year against TCU, a game where we were playing the number four team in the country, and we held them to 17 points offensively. Baron Sorrell had 11 tackles and one and a half sacks against TCU. So outside of Jade Baron scoring that touchdown, uh, Baron Sorrell might have been the best player on the field for Texas. And he was certainly dominant in that game. He was dominant in the two games against Alabama, even if he didn't have a sack to show for it. And that's really been the story of Baron Sorrell the last couple of years for Texas, really the whole defensive line. The sack numbers might not be there, but when you watch him and you see what this de defensive line is able to do, he just provides so much pressure and so much value to this Texas football team and makes everybody's job in the back seven a lot easier. And I think what this does is, you know, that Trey Moore coming in out of the transfer portal, number one edge is likely going to be starting. 
But this allows you to bring Colin Simmons along slowly in a rotational role if you have Baron Sorrell starting opposite Trey Moore. And then on top of Colin Simmons, you have Ethan Burke, Justice Finkley, and maybe Colton Vasek on top of some other players who can be in that rotation as well. So I think you go into next year with Baron Sorrell and Trey Moore as your starters with a super talented edge room right behind them, right? So it just gives you the opportunity to bring Colin Simmons along a little bit slower even though he's an all-world talent. Love the move for Baron Sorrell returning, and I think this gives us some juice to the edge position in the defensive line heading into the SEC. Jatavian Sanders, this is one that I was holding out hope, really thinking there was a chance that he could end up returning to the 40 acres, but he made the smart move. If you're being graded as the number two tight end, that really can't change much by returning to college. <laughs> you know, you can fall a lot further than you can move up, so it just makes sense for him to go get some money. Um, he'll likely be a top you know, first or second round pick. And you really can't pass on that, you know, to, to come back to college because anything can happen. Right. And I've had this thought over the last two years that JT Sanders was so talented and he was underutilized. But as I look at the numbers and as I put into perspective who he was competing with for targets, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, B. John Robinson, <laughs> right? Roshan Johnson, as many passes as they caught last year in our running backs this season. I think 99 catches for 1,295 yards and seven touchdowns at the tight end position is pretty productive over the last two years. So I do think we could have gotten him the ball, you know, some more at different times, but you can't ask for more than what JT Sanders gave us. And, you know, coming in 2021, a lot of people, because it's a premium position, had the thought that he should play edge. And, you know, we'll never know what that would have looked like. But we have to say that him making the choice to play tight end under Steve Sarkeesian uh, was a very valuable choice for him um, and probably the right decision for everybody involved, including us. Right. Yes, like I said, 99 catches, which is a Texas record for tight ends, 1,295 yards. I think that he came just short of that record and seven touchdowns. He had 300-yard games this season. To put that in perspective, Adonai Mitchell had three as well. Xavier Worthy only had two, right? So even though he was our third, fourth option at time, JT Sanders tied for the lead for 100-yard games on the team this year. It just shows how explosive he is, how much of a mismatch problem he is and how much value he will provide to an NFL team on the next level. Because not only is he explosive in terms of his athleticism and what he can do with the ball in his hands, he's also a hell of a blocker. Right. And that just shows in our running game the last two years, as much as we run 12 personnel, JT Sanders was one of the biggest reasons why our run game was so effective, just our offense overall as a whole, because of what he provides in the passing game. Some of the key moments from JT Sanders, the touchdown he had against Oklahoma last year in the 49-0 blowout, one of the best throws I've ever seen from Quinn Ewers, but obviously JT Sanders was on the other side of it, gashing Alabama for 114 yards this year, um, including a 50-yard catch right after Bama took the lead, 16-13. to He comes back with that 50-yard catch down the field. I believe that was the first 100-yard game of his career. And then the middle of the field catch last year in Quinn Ewers' first game, against Louisiana Monroe. I guess that would have been JT Sanders' first game as well. And that's also one of Quinn's best throws that I've ever seen. And then just all the blocking. He doesn't get enough credit for it. But like I said, we've been one of the best rushing offenses in the country the last two years. And one of the biggest reasons for that is Jatavian Sanders. Wishing him all the best in the National Football League. Cowboys got enough tight ends, but I wouldn't be mad if they drafted him. Right, a quick word from our sponsors. And then we get into Jake Majors returning and Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy moving on to the next level amongst others. 
Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so this is something that we probably all expected, but huge news nonetheless. Jake Majors has announced that he is returning uh, next year, right, heading into the SEC, and this guarantees you now that you'll have at least three starters returning. We know Christian Jones has exhausted his eligibility. We have not heard from Hayden Connor yet. I would expect that he's returning, but, you know, once again, we can't assume that because we haven't heard from him. But we knew we do know that Kelvin Banks will be back next year. We do know that DJ Campbell will be back next year, and now we know that Jake Majors will be back. Over 40 games of experience and starting at the 40 acres. Uh, I don't have the career stats. I think that's a good thing, though. I could guess you know, I guess I could have looked up uh, pro football focus and, you know, got his passing blocking grades or his running blocking grades or whatever. But he's a good center. Right. And I think he's meant so much to this offensive line in his time at the 40 acres. I think he's meant so much to a young quarterback and Quinn Ewers over the last two years. And he's really kind of like another coach or another quarterback on the field. Right. On the offensive line, making sure everybody's in the right place, setting the protections, you know, identifying what he sees on the line. Sometimes to Quinn Ewers that maybe Quinn Ewers might not even see. So he's just provided so much value. Right. And it's funny because the last two years we tried to replace him with Junior Angelow. And Junior Angelou tore his ACL, and then we tried to replace him with Cole Hudson this year, and Cole Hudson was banged up, and I think Jake Majors just won that job, right? He's just Teflon, right? Like, for two years, he's tried to be, you know, he's been on the verge of being replaced at the 40 Acres, and I think for two years, he's proved his value twice over, right? Even in that Oklahoma game where he got hurt, we looked like a completely different team in the trenches, and I don't think he was in the game when we had four straight shots on the one-yard line and didn't score, right? So talk about, you know, value without being there, right? For sure. So, you know, Jake Majors coming back next year ensures us that we'll have a veteran offensive line at really one of the most important positions on the offensive line. Our run game should be really good and our offense as a whole should be really good, partly um, because Jake Majors is returning. And also when he announced he was returning, Michael Vick, the real Michael Vick, like I had to click on it to make sure said, congrats, this is a huge move. And I was like, what relationship do Michael Vick and Jake Majors have, right? But if Michael Vick is excited about Jake Majors returning to the University of Texas, then I'm more than excited, right? Because Michael Vick has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. So Jake Majors, definitely one of the most underrated players that has been a part of this turnaround over the last three years. Super excited to see him come back for one more season at the 40 Acres and keep this offensive line intact. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, this is where I get sad, right? Um... 
man, right? You just talk about two legends at the University of Texas and two players that, you know, I could say the same thing about everybody I've said previously about what they've done for the culture over the last three years and what they've brought to this team. This was a, a program that wasn't respected three years ago. This was a defense that wasn't respected three years ago. And they are two of the biggest reasons that, Texas is one of the premier programs in college football again, but Texas looks like they should have a dominant defense right year in and year out. And Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy really laid the foundation for that, right? Just two stalwarts at the University of Texas. And if statues didn't mean so much, I would advocate for Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat to have their own statue outside of DKR, right? You're talking about two players that both caught touchdowns at the University of Texas. I was in the building when Byron Murphy caught his against Washington. I mean, excuse me, against Wyoming. Byron Murphy also ran one in. They both played fullback at Texas and helped block for touchdowns. They led the third-ranked rush defense in the country this year. They anchored a defense that allowed 18 points per game at Texas in 2023. They were both named All-Americans. Tavondre Sweat won Defensive Player of the Year outright, the first Texas player to do it in over a decade. And Byron Murphy won Defensive Lineman of the Year, and they both should be top you know, second or third round, maybe even bottom of the first round picks in the NFL draft. So um, I don't know how we're going to replace them at the defensive tackle position. Alfred Collins has announced he's returning. That's a huge step to replacing these big guys, but then Trill Carter entered the transfer portal. So you definitely need to work on your depth and, you know, replacing the talent in that room. But um, literally, Tamatre Sweat and Byron Murphy are larger than life. And they had to enter the NFL draft. I don't think Tamadre Sweat had any more eligibility, period. And Byron Murphy, that was an easy decision to make. But what they've meant for this program, what they've meant to this program over the last three years, what they've meant to this defense over the last two years, and what they put on tape this year was just special, right? And then it's something um, that we haven't seen, you know, on a long time in the 40 acres. And I've always said that I'm not watching all 22 after the game. I'm not, you know, watching the trenches as closely as – you know, maybe I should be, or some people like to act like they do, but they jumped off the screen, right? When I'm trying to watch Quinn Ewers or the opposing quarterback, when I'm trying to watch the skill positions, it was hard not to see <laughs> Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. So super sad they're leaving, but I know they got to, you know, move on and, and, and fulfill their dreams at the next level in the NFL. But, you know, like I said, just like two players that embodied the culture and the success of the University of Texas. And if statues, like I said, if they weren't so, you know, prestigious. <laughs> you know, I would advocate for Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy to have a staff statue outside of DKR. Jordan Whittington, this is where I continue to get emotional, right? Um, you know, it's funny because I said like the last two years he was underutilized at Texas. I'm still standing on that. Somebody was so mad when I said that, that on my audio, they left a negative review and turned the podcast off. Um, and I'm going to say it once again, right? Jordan Whittington was underutilized at the University of Texas the last two years. Um, and we know how his journey started, right? You know, not being able to overcome injury, constantly dealing with, um, you know, hard times and, and injury. And he persevered through, right? And, you know, you just talk about a leader on this football team, a culture builder on this football team, and a damn good player when he actually got the ball, right? <laughs> you look at his career, 141 catches for 1,757 yards and five touchdowns, just based on his talent level and what he came out of, you know, Quero High School with, he probably could have doubled that up, right? If he was able to stay healthy and we featured him all five years that he was here. But like I said, just a culture builder, right? You know, he had been here since 2018, and so he had seen it all, right? The bad times of the University of Texas, the good times of 2018, where we thought we were back on the rise, going five and seven, hitting rock bottom, and, you know, being in this game, you know, 
11 yards away from going to the national championship game. So he saw it all at the University of Texas, and he was a part of getting the University of Texas uh, through it all. And like I said, he was a damn good receiver when he got the ball. And the effort he showed while blocking just showed what he meant to the University of Texas. In his speech after when he you know, said he was leaving, he said, I didn't play at Texas. I played for Texas, <laughs> right? And I think that just embodies what Jordan Whittington is and what he's meant to this program over the last few years. And when I look at it, the two most memorable moments for me, even though you can pick one probably from each game for each year, but the fact, and I think this kind of just summarizes his, his entire experience at the University of Texas, right? The fact that he does not have a catch all game, right? That I remember, right? He does not have a catch all game against Washington. And then in the biggest moment of his life, makes a 41-yard catch down the field to put Texas on Washington's side of the field and really put pressure on them, right? When I When he caught that pass, I thought, Texas was going to win the game. Most Texas fans thought Texas was going to win the game. And most Washington fans thought Washington was going to lose the game, right? So for him to have that much impact on one catch right in that game just perfectly, like, summarizes the Jordan Whittington experience his entire time at the 40 Acres. Only one catch in the biggest game of his life, but he made the biggest catch in the biggest moment of his life. And then, of course, the play against TCU um, where Quinn Ewers throws an interception and Jordan Whittington misses the initial tackle and then forces the fumble 40 yards down the field for Texas to get the ball back. Like I said, it just epitomizes what he is as a person, what he is as a football player, and what he meant to this Texas football program. And it'll be sad to see him not playing for the University of Texas any longer. Ryan Watts, a very solid corner for us over the last two years, has entered the NFL draft. He brought stability to a position that has struggled for years. He was one of the best corners on the team the last two years, and Texas has really shown themselves to be one of the best defenses in the country over the last few years. Ryan Watts was one of the biggest reasons for that, and he probably would be immortalized at Texas if he didn't miss that sack against Bryce Young, but you know, it's Bryce Young. He was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. One of the best run stopping corners in the country, and he excelled in short to intermediate coverage. Of course, he had some struggles going deep or in deeper in coverage, but he's probably a four, five, four, six guy. So that makes sense, right? When you got four, three, four, four guys running down the field on the boundary. So I thought, you know, Ryan Watts was a very good corner for us the last two years, and he's one of the biggest reasons why this defense is respectable now. I made a huge turnaround in the last two seasons under. Pete Kukowski. Players that have yet to announce either way. Adonai Mitchell has not announced. He's likely entering the NFL draft, but like I said, he has not announced yet. Hayden Connor, I think he would return, but we haven't heard anything from him. Jalen Ford has not announced. I would think he would lean towards going to the NFL draft, but I could certainly see a scenario in which Jalen Ford comes back next year. Jade Barron, I think he would move on to the NFL draft, but he does have eligibility left, if I'm not mistaken. So those are four players that Texas is waiting on to make a decision. Players that have entered the transfer portal recently since the Sugar Bowl, Keaton Crawford, you know, just with as much talent as they're bringing in in the DB room, especially in the safety room and the performance we saw this year. It makes sense why Keaton Crawford would move on, not being guaranteed a starting spot next season. Same thing with Jaron Thompson. I think he's missed so much to this program over the last few years, had a really good year last year, kind of had a down year this year. Um you know, for whatever reason. But, you know, nonetheless, I'll always remember him as a player that meant so much on the field to us last year and, you know, meant so much in terms of the culture. And I'm excited to see what he can do at the next step. But, you know, it doesn't make sense to start multiple years at the University of Texas and then compete for a spot, you know, your last year. So, you know, it makes sense for him to move on and start somewhere else, even if it's not the University of Texas. And then Charles Wright, right? You know, he's held it down as our scout team backup quarterback for years. And, you know, with Trey Owens coming in, it, you know, 
this now gives Charles Wright a chance to go somewhere and hopefully compete for a starting spot, right? He's got a degree from the University of Texas, but he came here to play football and hopefully he gets to play football. And then players that have committed that were already in the transfer portal, Isaiah Nayor is headed to Nebraska, excited to see what he does there. Jalen Catalan and Casey Kane both headed to UNLV, excited to see them as well. And Malik Murphy should be the starting quarterback at Duke heading into the 2024 season. So that is the thoughts on all of the Texas players that are returning, leaving, have entered the portal, have already announced their next destinations. A quick word from our sponsors, and then I get into the last college football game of the season. Who will win the national championship between Washington and Michigan tonight? I know we came to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk just for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my family members or one of your kids got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKED on to get $20 off your order. All right, as I've said a million times on this podcast episode, tonight is the last night of college football before we have to go through an eight-month grueling offseason. It won't necessarily be grueling for me because I've been <laughs> clamoring to get some Texas Rangers baseball, but of course I'm going to miss you know, football for eight months. My thoughts on my, uh, Michigan and Washington tonight, I think Washington wins, right? I think Washington wins because what we've seen in college football is when you have elite quarterback play and NFL wide receivers, that has been enough to put you over the edge really the last few years, right? In the new era or modern era of college football. We saw it with Trevor Lawrence, right? We saw it with Tua Tungavailoa when he came in the game to replace Jalen Hurts and throw the ball to Devontae Smith, the game winner, right? We saw it with Deshaun Watson, right? We saw it with uh, Mac Jones when when he won the championship. I'm missing some people. Joe Burrow in 2019 um, when he won the championship with Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson. Then we saw it with Mac Jones. We saw Justin Fields get to the championship, but he couldn't win it because he was going against Steve Sarkeesian and Mac Jones and all of those NFL receivers. And then we saw C.J. Stroud last year. Of course, Georgia, you know was elite and had elite defenses the last two years. But C.J. Stroud was a missed, you know, I think it was less than 40 yards, right? Like a missed 40-yard field goal away from leading Ohio State to probably beating TCU in the national championship. So elite quarterback play and NFL wide receivers is what wins in college football these days. And they have elite NFL quarterback and Michael Penix Jr. and three elite wide receivers that are NFL ready right now. <laughs> Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, and Roma Dunze. And I think that's just enough to win the national championship, right? I think that's the reason they've won 22 straight games. And I think the reason that people are asleep on Washington is we keep expecting them to, I guess, play like a Pac-12 team or we keep putting this like, false narrative on them that they're soft right and a lot of people are saying oh Michigan's just going to run through them they're going to dominate them on the trenches Michigan has not played a quarterback as good as Michael Penix Jr. all year the best quarterback they've played was either Kyle McCord or Jalen Milrow who I would say 
in a nice way, or at least two steps down from Michael Penix Jr. and what he's able to do. And they have not played a collection of receivers as talented or as elite as Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan, because there aren't a group of receivers as talented or as elite as those three in college football. So I think everybody's just assuming that they're going to run all over which, uh, Washington. I do think that Blake Corum will have a good day, but this Michigan football team is built to play from ahead, right? They want to get a lead, and then they want to suffocate you with your defense, with their defense and their running game. They're not going to be able to do that against Washington because Washington can score at any moment, right? So this is not going to be a game where Michigan gets up two touchdowns and they can just run it down Washington's throat, right? They're going to have to pass the ball to keep up with Washington. And if this comes down to J.J. McCarthy versus Michael Penix Jr., which it likely will, you're obviously taking Michael Penix Jr. in that equation. So, you know, Michigan has a great defense. They proved that against Alabama, but they also faced the worst quarterback and worst offensive lineman or worst offensive line Alabama has had in at least five to six years, right? Maybe longer than that, right? Michael Penix Jr., that offensive line and these receivers, they just simply can't be stopped, right? And Michigan is not going to be able to play bully ball, be up 14 and just run the ball down their throat and run the clock out <laughs> like they were able to do in Big Ten football. They're going to have to beat Michael Penix Jr. in this passing game with their passing game. And anybody that has watched Michigan football all year does not think they can do that, right? The only people that are picking Michigan are the people that think that Washington is soft and that Michigan will be able to dominate them in the trenches and run all over them. But like I said, offense, great passing, elite wide receivers. That's what wins natties in college football. Washington has that. Michigan doesn't. Give me the Huskies in an upset to win the national championship and get their 22nd or 23rd straight win under Caleb DeBoer. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Longhorns, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.